Okay, so I have decided that today I'm going to be talking about probably three animated Disney Pixar movies that I watched recently. So we're going to start off with The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which I watched. Um, I watched it two days ago, approximately, and then... I am gonna, I mean, obviously if I have time, I will talk about, um, Luca and Raya and the Last Dragon, both of which I watched last week. Um, okay, so, with a Hunchback of Notre Dame, for a little bit of backstory for you, essentially, it's like a animated Disney movie from, like, the 90s that I had never watched before for whatever reason I just I never I never watched it and my sister who is an adult um she really likes it for some reason and she was like you should watch it I really like it she was like oh yeah the villain Frollo is like really really evil and I like it and she likes it because it's set in France and she likes France I don't know um and she just likes it for some reason. Um, and I was like, well, yeah, I haven't watched it. I've been wanting to watch it. Let's watch it. So I turned it on. Um, well, first of all, okay, my dad kept being like, oh my God, why are they singing so much? Like, it's so annoying. Like, they're not doing anything. They're just singing. And I had to pause and like yell at him and be like, excuse me, this is an animated Disney children's movie musical movie of course they're singing what did you expect like you can't complain about that if you're gonna turn on an animated musical disney children's movie like the same thing happened when he when i was re-watching frozen and he was there again and he was like not comprehending the plot for some reason and when i was watching ryan the last dragon and my sister was there and she started complaining about how it was predictable and I'm just like, oh my god, you, like, I'm so fed up with these people for complaining about these animated children's movies. Like, what were you expecting? This is not, like, an Oscar award winning, like, super, like, unpredictable plot twist movie. It's a children's movie. It's, a- it's an animated children's movie. It's from Disney. Like, I would, I would really like to know what else you were expecting. Anyway, I watch it, and I really like the song, The Bells of Notre Dame, that the puppeteer sings at the beginning, and then whoever voices that character that, like, they did such a good job with, like, their range was so good because they hit, like, the high notes so well. You know when you're, like, listening to a song, and you, like, are, you, like, really want them to hit the high notes because it would just be, like, really satisfying to your ears? And then they do it and it's the best thing ever. Like that totally happened. And the song gets sung twice at the beginning and the, end, the puppeteer is kind of like the narrator at the beginning. That was really fun. Um, but like, and like Frollo was really evil and he has this whole like song in the middle where it would like hellfire and shit. Um, I thought that was like pretty cool. And he is quite evil. He's just like a terrible person and he totally has that weird 
like possessiveness over women like towards Esmeralda it's like he wants her to be his or else she has to die and that was like really creepy definitely good villain behavior um because that's like the little creepiest thing you can do but okay like here's the thing the plot of it was so just like flat like the whole plot is just that um Esmeralda is running from like Frollo and the guards like they want to arrest her because like she stood up for Quasimodo which is the hunchback like she stood up for him and stuff um and she's a so that's why Frollo wants to like arrest her so and she like seeks sanctuary in the church of Notre Dame and then Quasimodo helps her escape a bunch of times and that's just the main plot but then at the end Frollo captures her anyway he's gonna burn her on the pyre but then Quasimodo like from the bell tower like attacks everyone and like rescues her and then like in the middle Phoebus the captain of the guard and Esmeralda have like a weird romance which was uncomfortable like on that front like Quasimodo liked her but then she never even liked him back so and then she liked Phoebus and they got together so it wasn't even a nice thing about the power of friendship it was just like oh yeah the ugly guy yeah like fuck you the ugly guy doesn't get anything anyway and the two conventionally attractive people get together except like what the fuck um Esmeralda is a lesbian to me that is my opinion she's very beautiful although why the hell are her eyes so bright like is she not literally a person of color like why are her eyes that shade of like fucking aquamarine you know that was a bit interesting and then like phoebus is like blonde and he has this weird bowl cut and a chin beard um that was real fun very i i oh yeah that was kind of messy to me but whatever um i liked the goat like esmeralda's goat that was very cute um but yeah it just felt flat because by the like it just gets like the final fight scene when esmeralda is getting burned like it gets super dramatic there like quasimodo literally like from the bell tower he like pours like molten like metal or something that like floods the square and then frola falls off the bell tower into like the molten stuff and that's how he dies like and it's just like and it's like a super dramatic fight scene and everyone almost dies and it's a whole thing so that part's really dramatic but leading up to that it was just esmeralda like running and hiding and escaping and everything and then it gets really dramatic at the end and then the puppeteer does the bells of notre dame again and then it's the ending scene and that's it so i was just like i don't understand and then the next day i asked my sister like why do you like this so much i like and i explained to her like it was just kind of flat and then it just got super dramatic out of nowhere and she was just like yeah i don't know i like that it's set in france and so I got out of her that basically she likes it because it's set in France, which is a whole other thing. But, you know, I don't even know what to say about that. Um, So I thought it was good, but like it wasn't it wasn't that good. I'm sorry to say it really was not. Um, I didn't love it. And then we were watching the credits and my mom was like commenting on how they got like some famous people from the 90s to do it. I had never heard of them, obviously, but apparently. And then like like the person who voices Esmeralda was like a famous person from the 90s. And my mom was like, oh, I didn't know she could sing. But then 
we like looked closer at the credits and there was someone else who did the singing parts for Esmeralda so the person who voices her can't actually sing like the famous person like can't actually sing and someone else voiced her and I was like man this is not a Bollywood movie <laughs> uh, like get people who can sing but yeah so Hunchback was all right um and actually since I mentioned Phoebus's chin beard I want to talk about Tangled for a minute um here's the thing about Tangled first of all I would like to preface this by saying that Tangled is a fabulous movie it's very funny Mother Knows Best is nice and evil even though isn't Mother Gothel like Jewish coded which is bad for a villain I mean Disney always does this with like the queer coded villains this is nothing new this is but anyway great songs in it um and I actually do like ship like Flynn Rider Eugene Fitzgerald whatever and Rapunzel they're cute I like them except like I kind of hate the name Eugene Fitzgerald um I don't know what to say about that I just I kind of don't like it um but yeah they're kind of cute it's very fun I like the vibes the horse is funny the chameleon is funny like Disney animals in the recent movies are very funny, okay? It's a good, like, movie. I enjoy it. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, the frying pan. Great addition. Uh, I will say, Eugene, I'm gonna call him Eugene, even though that kind of pains me. He definitely cut her hair way too short. Like, why did he give her the most ugly bob ever? Like, she had so much hair. He could have cut it, like, mid-back, and it would have had the same effect. And then she would have been free to, like, get whatever haircut she wants um, after. But he left her with no options. And then there's, like, the whole magical tears thing. But whatever. It's Disney. I'm not going to, like, um, critique that. Oh, and then I saw this like video essay on like why if you skip the first five minutes of Tangled with like the introduction of Mother Gothel and like the flower it's like better I haven't watched that info but now I kind of want to go do that hold on let me add that on YouTube but um I guess that's a very interesting take yeah, I actually, I'm, I am gonna, I am gonna watch this video essay later. I think it's a very interesting take and that person probably has a very good point. Um, but let us, and yeah, it's, just, it's a great, funny movie. I love it. Tangled's really good. If you don't like Tangled, what is the matter with you and why? Like, do you hate being happy? Um, but on to the real pressing issue, which is our good friend Eugene. Not only do I hate his name, but here's the thing so like his appearance basically oh wait i'm sorry i keep on going on tangents but you want to know what this is my podcast and the whole point of this was for me to ramble and so i'm gonna do what i do best which is ramble which is what i'm doing right now okay first of all he made the fuck boy face like in the scene where like he climbs up into the tower and then Rapunzel keeps knocking him out first of all he definitely had brain damage from that I don't know how he's not dead she hit him so hard over the head with a cast iron skillet which first of all those are so heavy she's very strong she must be from pulling mother goth up with that hair every day um I mean like how is her hair so clean 
you know? Like, it's dragging on the floor. Even if she brushes it, like, how does she brush it every day? But even if she does that, there's no way it's not dirty. But anyway, and there's no way he doesn't have brain damage. And then he definitely made the fuckboy face at some point in there when he was like, hi, I'm Flynn Rider. I'm hot. And then he, anyway. Um, but here's the thing everyone and when I say everyone I just like mean in general the general public from what I've heard in general like okay I'm not saying like every single person I have statistical proof like no but like in general like Flynn Rider is considered to be very attractive and everyone seems to have a crush on him now I'm a lesbian I do not feel this way of course when I first watched this movie I did not know that but like at a young age I didn't I considered him to be like one of the ugliest Disney princes like not it's not to say he doesn't have a good personality I've always thought he had a good personality but I never really I considered him to be like on the scale of attractiveness to be very low I've always felt that way and now it makes sense that I'm a lesbian you know um I've always felt that way interestingly enough um even though the general public felt the opposite um this also ties in with my weird experience with like compound lesbianism internalized misogyny all that stuff but that is a conversation for another day because i truly do not have time to go on a tangent about that i'm gonna add that to my list and yes i'm doing it right now because i will forget my tiny little pea-sized brain is not made for long-term storage um okay i wrote it down so i'll remember so i always considered me not attractive even though the general consensus was the opposite and like more recently like i don't know a year ago i like saw an article or something just like randomly online on social media where it was like when they were making tangled and like trying to come up with how to like draw eugene and like how he would look they like took a survey from women and like compiled all of what they thought were like attractive features in a man and like compiled that to make him like the most attractive guy possible and I just thought that was so funny considering what my stance on his looks has always been um and like I'm pretty sure that's true maybe I got baited and that news is completely false but I I just don't want to sound like a fool. But I think it's true. And even if it's not, my opinion has always been the opposite of the general consensus. Thank you. Um. Oh, also, oh my God, when she goes to the the kingdom and then like this the little montage scene with the kingdom dance. Well, first of all, when those girls braided her hair, her hair was so long. There's no way that her braid would have shrunk that much because her braid only goes to the bottom of her feet and i'm sorry braids shrink your hair but i feel like i don't know what they did to make it shrink that much but it was very pretty with the flowers and mother gothel like took all the flowers out like that is a horrible thing to do it was very beautiful and then the like kingdom dance song like the soundtrack of it like when they're um like dancing in the circle and she like gets everybody to dance especially like the end of that song where like she and Eugene like they like come face to face but then they get whisked away like that part is so dramatic and I love the music and it's so good and yes I do ship them even like they might be heteros but oh 
I do love them. What's not to love? Anyway, that part was so good. Oh my god, I almost forgot what I came here to say. The chin beard. Not only do I not find Eugene Fitzherbert that attractive, and I never have. He, like, why do people find him attractive? He literally has like a chin beard slash soul patch. Like, what is that nonsense? Like, isn't it a general consensus in society that soul patches slash chin beards are, like, the lowest form of facial hair and just extremely ugly? So, why does no one talk about that? Why is that always overlooked? That's why I came here to say because Phoebus also has a chin beard slash soul patch thing that is ugly as fuck. But, like, my guy, Eugene Serber, also has one. Like, why is no one talking about this? Let's start a conversation. That's all I'm saying. Okay, let's move on to what I want to talk about next, which is Luca. Now, most of what I have to say on this video, I, on this movie, my bad, I basically stole from the lovely YouTuber Rowan Ellis. She makes such good videos, like, on, like, queer analysis of media and stuff. And she made a great video entitled Unhinged Lesbian Rants About Pixar's Luca. And it's, like, an unhinged video, but, like, it, she was still so, like, well-spoken and, like, made really good points in a, a pretty cohesive way. Um, so, I'm not gonna, like, go too in-depth on, like, what she said because, like, she already said it and she said it better than I ever could. But basically, well, first of all, like, come on, the premise is so cute. It's, like, two little, little mermaid boys on the Italian Riviera. When the trailer first came out, I was like, this looks so cute and fun. And everyone was saying this looks so gay. And I watched the trailer and I said, I agree. It's gay mermaid boys on the Italian Riviera. And that is basically what it ended up being. So like, it was very good. I enjoyed it. Like, it was just like a Pixar movie, like a Disney Pixar movie. Obviously, the plot wasn't, like, groundbreaking, but I thought it was very cute and fun, and I enjoyed myself. So, what Rowan basically points out is that this movie is extremely gay because it is essentially a one-on-one metaphor, like, a a direct one-on-one metaphor for being queer in three ways, in terms of self-discovery, relationship with your family, and relationship with society. And the metaphors have to be separate from one another because, um, like, two of them have to do with, like, them being sea monsters, but the third one wouldn't work with them just being sea monsters. However, all three metaphors are, like, direct one-on-one comparisons. Like, you can just, like, substitute in being gay and it would make total sense and, like, the whole, like storyline of it is the exact same and it makes total sense so like first of all the whole human town is afraid of sea monsters like so if you just substitute them being gay they're just like it's like a homophobic town you know um and then second of all it's self-discovery because they the luca and alberto like pretty much definitely have crushes on each other so they're like discovering that about themselves and then like eventually they like come out as sea monsters to the town and everything um and then like in terms of relationship with their families um luca's parents want to send him to live in like the deep sea with his weird uncle 
um because he's like spending too much time on the surface so like that definitely screams conversion therapy so there's that i mean that's the one metaphor that doesn't work with the meek sea monsters because their families are also sea monsters but not only do luca's parents want to send him away alberto's parents literally abandoned him so he's been living on his own like on land so like they're both being shunned by their families i mean luca's family does eventually come around in the end but it like it's it's kind of like um when queer kids have parents that don't they're like overprotective and don't quite understand their kids like they love them but they like don't understand them so then they end up hurting them anyway and it takes them some time to like adjust their perspective before they come around and like fully support them you know so it was kind of like that um and alberto was just like fully abandoned and there was never any explanation as to why he was abandoned so there's that um so like it's just like such an obvious one-on-one metaphor like it doesn't take that much critical thought to realize that it's like a gay metaphor you know like it it substitutes in so perfectly also their human friend julia she's absolutely a lesbian i saw a video on youtube saying how julia is the perfect example of queer allyship and i disagree because she's a lesbian and like there's like this whole dramatic scene at the end at the train station and like it's so obvious that like luca and alberto are just like they like each other come on they're 13 and 14 okay like it's not that young to like have a crush on someone like anyone can have like okay people are allowed to have crushes like kids younger than that have crushes so like it's not a big deal <sighs> anyway um like it was just such like a heart-wrenching scene and i was like who animated that because hello and there's so many times when like alberto is so obviously jealous of luca spending time with julia because um luca and julia have like similar interests in that they like want to like go to school and learn and they both are interested in astronomy and whenever they go to like hang out and talk about that like like the camera literally like zooms in on alberto's face and he's just like so jealous like he looks so jealous and annoyed like it's not even subtle i don't know who animated and like wrote this but it's not subtle at all i wasn't sure how obvious everything was going to be going in but it's legitimately the most obvious thing i've ever seen in my entire life and like the directors or the writers or whoever or whoever have come out being like oh yeah this is not supposed to be gay but it's just like it is like you like even if that wasn't your attention that's what it is like even if it's it was inadvertently that is what it is now and also as long as it's not like a super personal story the writer's original intention is not the only thing that matters like the audience's interpretation is just as important because we're the ones consuming it and without an audience you don't really have like a platform and your work is not going to be well known so like it's like this story is not like someone writing a memoir like it's an animated movie about just like these boys like with a fantasy element you know so like it's up for audience interpretation so like no matter how much these writers and directors or whoever go and be like oh yeah that's not what it's supposed to be it's not supposed to be gay like why isn't the audience allowed to have that interpretation it's right there like why like and especially if the homophobic disney especially is not going to give us actual representation like why are we being condemned for like trying to find it in other places and like reading it that way like there's nothing wrong with that like audience interpretation is just as important because you don't have 
anything to stand on without your audience. If you don't have an audience, no one's gonna know that your movie is like no one's gonna watch your movie, you know? It's like if a tree falls in the forest but no one is there to hear it, does it even make a sound? Like if no one watches your movie, there's like what's the point, you know? Like art, beauty is not how the beholder, like art needs people to appreciate it in order for it to like like I don't know how to probably explain it but I think y'all can understand what I'm trying to say like art needs to be appreciated like art needs an audience otherwise it's like what's the point um so it is very gay whether anybody intended that or not it no longer matters now I'm gonna talk very briefly about Ryan the Last Dragon I feel like I have less to say now, was this the enemies, sapphic enemies to lovers that I always wanted? Like, totally. There's, They totally could have kissed at the end and it would have been so incredibly natural. I believe Namari deserved more screen time. I don't think that she got enough screen time and that is my opinion. Um, it was just very gay. Like, they had great tension. It was wonderful. Um, this is the one that my sister said is too predictable that Namari like betrayed them at the beginning. But I'm like, babe, it's a Disney movie. Like, again, what? Pray, do tell. What in the fucking hell were you expecting? What else were you expecting? Truly, please tell me. Anyway, um, it was great. It was very fun. I mean, they're Asians. I felt it was very sapphic. Um,. Okay, the one thing is that Aquafina is in it, and, like, Aquafina does not need to be in any, every single movie with Asians in it. Like, she was in Crazy Rich Asians. She's gonna be in Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Like, she doesn't need to be in everything, especially since she, like, gained her platform off of using Black Scent, which is not great. Like, she plays the dragon, the last dragon, Sisu. Now, I have something interesting to say on the dragons in this movie. So, like, Disney, of course, a lot of the times, like, with the newer animation, the princesses have, like, huge eyes that take up half their face and, like, really unrealistic body proportions. Um, of course, they've always had unrealistic body proportions, but, like, especially in the newer animation style, they just have, like, ginormous eyes. Like, Entangled, Rapunzel's eyes are literally half her face, you know? And, like, in Frozen, they definitely have that, too. Um, I'll say, in this movie, like, they looked Asian and like their proportions were more normal. Like they didn't have ginormous eyes that took up half their face, which was nice. Except the dragons had those weird proportions. Like the dragons were like skinny for some, like not just skinny, like skinny. Like that's the vibe I was getting. The dragons have ginormous eyes. Like, why do the dragons have a waist on Thinna? Like, that makes no sense. Like, they were, like, super, like, skinny and long. And they were, like, different colors, which is, like, fine. It's Disney. But, like, they had the huge eyes and somehow looked skinny. And it was just, like, very disconcerting. Like, the actual characters had, like, decent proportions. But the dragons looked so weird for some reason. And that's just something that I noticed. I thought was kind of odd. Um, I thought that was funny. I don't know. Um, I thought Ryan the Last Dragon, it's not a musical, but I thought it was pretty good, except for the weird dragons, but that might just be a me thing. Um, I kind of wanted Sisu to, like, stay dead at the end, 
for dramatic impact but like i'm not surprised that that didn't happen again it's disney it's not gonna have this huge plot twist i am not my sister i swear i'm not expecting that okay i am not expecting that it's a disney movie of course that needs a happy ending um okay i'm going to probably i'm gonna wrap it up here i talked about pretty much everything that i wanted to talk about and i even had time to go on a nice tangent about tangled um i am not sure what i'm gonna do next time because i have a constantly expanding list of topics that i want to talk about ranging from marvel to percy jackson to animated disney movies to gay people to high school musical to bad shows and bad books to things i think are amazing so i suppose like tomorrow whenever i record the next one i will just see what i'm in the mood for what i watched what i'm itching to talk about um and i'll do another one of these anyway for now that is all thank you for listening to me ramble au revoir